0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, church. We are good because we have the Lord, don't we? Every day. We are good today. Before we open the word, let's go ahead and pray and, and um, just thank the Lord for the day and pray that he teaches us because we have a lot to cover today. Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you right now. Lord, God, I pray that you would especially anoint me to speak your word today that your word would go out and we could hear it and we could be changed by it. God, I pray for everyone here that our minds and our hearts would be open to to hearing you anew today as we study what many of us have read before but what we need to be reminded of and to see your plan, Lord God. So I pray for this church today that we are encouraged that we are are, are just lifted up by your spirit today, and God, that you would just receive all the glory, praise, and honor this morning. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're continuing our series in Daniel, and uh, this week we're going to be moving into something really, really important for us to understand about, uh, well, first the book of Daniel, but also about us as humans as we move into a prophecy of Daniel for the time of man. So we have a lot to go through today. Um, but as we get to the end, it gets really good. So it'll be, it's, I think this is important for us today. In our world, we look around us and we see everything man has built, don't we? See the cities man has built. We see the militaries man has built, the societies and cultures, even the religions man has built. We see the plans man has built in the world right now. We see this chaos going on in Russia and Ukraine. We see man waging war with each other, man striving to be better. Man believes he is something in this world. Man believes he makes his own plans. Builds his own empires. But God has the final say. Proverbs 19.21 says. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purposes of the Lord that stand. We're worried today about what's happening in the world. But, don't you love the but, but God has given himself, his people comfort by revealing to them what will happen. We're worried about what's happening in the world, but God has given his people comfort by showing them what is going to happen. Our God knows the end from the beginning, doesn't he? He has established his purpose from the very beginning to the very end, and only his purposes will stand. So we, his people, are not afraid. We're not afraid of what's coming because we trust in the God who has already planned it. And today we'll see as we study this scripture in Daniel chapter 2, that God has planned all things from the beginning to the end. For good for those who love him. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is why we have this prophecy revealed to us in Scripture today. When prophecy is given to mankind, it's to bring mankind comfort. It's to give us encouragement. It's to give us peace about what's going to happen. So prophecy is a tool of comfort from the Lord. Today we're going to be dealing with a prophecy from Daniel chapter 2. And as we know, the last two weeks we entered the introduction to understanding Daniel and his friends who brought into captivity in Babylon. And last week we saw how uh, these men brought into captivity in Babylon stood for their God even in the midst of Babylon and how God shows his saving character through his his hand in their lives as he rescued them from the burning fiery furnace and as he rescued Daniel from the lion's den. So we move through those narrative parts. Now we move into Daniel chapter two, we come back to Daniel chapter two, I should say, because in Daniel chapter two we have this amazing vision and prophecy. Of God. So the context we have here as we come to Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon has a vision, a dream and a vision, if you will. And he has this vision that troubles him and he calls upon all the people in his land, all the wise men and enchanters. He says, come and interpret to me my vision, but don't just interpret it in order for me to know, you know what you're talking about and you're not just telling me what I want to hear. I want you to tell me what my dream was and then interpret it for me. So he brings them all to him. He says, tell me what my vision was, and then I'll listen to your interpretation. And they say, are you kidding me? We can't do that. We have no power for that. And so he sends out his soldiers to kill all the wise men in his nation, because clearly they don't know what they're doing. And who was one of Nebuchadnezzar's wise men. And we learn this from Daniel chapter one. Daniel, he was put right at the right hand of the king and and probably some time had passed. And, you know, he's sitting there letting the king have all his all his pagan uh, enchanters and wise men and magicians come to him. And and they all were couldn't couldn't do what Daniel's God could do. So Daniel asks, well, bring me before the king before you go about chopping my head off. And Daniel comes before the king, and he says these words, Daniel chapter 2, verse 27. No, Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in the bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So here we have Daniel. He comes before the king and he says, what has been revealed to you in your dream comes from my God. The God in heaven, as we see there, the God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown you, King Nebuchadnezzar, what is going to come in the latter days, what's going to pass after you. And what we realize Daniel's talking about is he's saying what God has shown you, King Nebuchadnezzar, is the time of man. The time of man, and we realize this and it's going to get really good, the time of man leading all the way up Till the end of the world, till the end of mankind, till the end of the nations, the rise of the Antichrist and the coming of the final kingdom of God. This is all for us in Daniel chapter two. And this is so amazing that that God reveals to us his people in Daniel chapter two, the vision of what's going to happen until the end of our time here on earth. And he says, He says to the king, this is what God gave to you so that his power may be known that as I interpret it, not from my own understanding, but because God has made it known to me to interpret this for you. And so here comes Daniel's revelation, Daniel's interpretation. He reveals the dream, the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. I believe there is this the picture now? So here we have the dream. I have this picture here and some of the notes you have, it's not colored, but we put the color one on here um, to see what a good picture of what the king saw. This is the mighty image of Nebuchadnezzar, a head of gold, chest of arms and silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay and a final rock that crushes the image itself. And we read that here in Daniel, chapter two, verse thirty one through thirty six. So we have that image. I hope you all appreciate that. Well, we might come back to it, I'm sure. Um, but we have the little, you know, a little paper for you to just kind of have a reference point. But we had no color in the printer. So. <laughs> but here's the vision. Daniel, chapter two, verse thirty one. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest of arms are of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So here's the great image that stands before, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, stands before him. And we remember in the very following chapter, what does King Nebuchadnezzar do? He builds a great idol of gold. And so it's interesting that we see this great image of this of this soldier, of this figure of man. And each part we'll see declares something about the time of man. Verse 34 will continue. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand. A heavenly stone, if you'll say. A, a stone that is divine. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. And the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken into pieces. Became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not even a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream And now we will tell the king its interpretation. So that is the vision, the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar saw. Have you guys heard this story before? Have you guys heard about this vision? It's so important. As a Christian, when I first came to the Lord, I didn't even touch this stuff. We were in the New Testament learning about Jesus, and that's so important, yes. But as you look at the whole whole counsel of the Lord you realize God has has a plan from the very beginning. Jesus wasn't just this. He just said, okay, I guess I'll send a savior to you. It is a plan from the beginning of man building his empire, but God having the final say. And so here we have the vision and here's Daniel's interpretation of this vision. We're going to move through the interpretation of Daniel of the king's dream of Daniel's interpretation of the king's dream. But along with that interpretation We need to also move along with chapter seven of Daniel, because in chapter seven of Daniel, he has a vision. And in that vision, we'll see here he sees in his own vision these different what we'll begin to find out these different kingdoms of man and represented as beasts of man. So we'll see that here in Daniel chapter 7. So we'll we'll be going back and forth between chapter 7 and chapter 2. I gave you guys a handout here that shows a connection between Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel Chapter 7 as you read it. It'll show the it shows the similarities and and the, the allusions that each of them bring to speaking on each of the of the times of man. And so it's a really great analysis to kind of see that. Both Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's vision are referencing the same happenings. And so in Daniel chapter seven, we see in the first year of Belshazzar, so this is way later after the king, after King Nebuchadnezzar, this is his son, uh, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. And he wrote the dream down and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared in his vision. I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came out of the sea different from one another. And we have later on the angel Gabriel interprets this vision for Daniel. And he says in chapter in verse 17 of the same chapter, these four great beasts are the four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom, and possess the kingdom forever and ever. So here in Daniel, we'll see in Daniel chapter two and Daniel chapter seven is a reference to these kingdoms to come. You all following with me here? I know we got a lot of information, but it's so good. So Daniel chapter two, let's go back to Daniel chapter two. Daniel says in verse 36, this was the dream. Now we will tell the king of its interpretation. Verse 37, the first head of gold. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom and the power and the might and the glory and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field and the birds of heaven, making you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. So speaking, the king Nebuchadnezzar, he says you are Babylon are the head of gold. We see that also in Daniel chapter seven. The first beast was like a lion, had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a mind of man was given to it. And of course, that's a reference to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so here we have the first part of this image, if you want to if you can put the image back on. The statue, the head of gold. This is the kingdom of Babylon. Remember, now Daniel's going to interpret that vision of of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, each of those heads... This vision is this vision you had is of the times to come. And each of those parts of the statue are the kingdoms that are going to rise. This first kingdom is the kingdom of Babylon. This is you. And he calls him king of kings. He gives him this this great title. and He says, you, king, the one who God has delivered in all my people, you conquered my people. He delivered them into your hands. You you rule over them. You are this head of gold. What we see here as we descend is, is we are descending in glory as we go down the statue. But we are increasing in strength. And you'll see this. And so here we have this, this first nation of Babylon, the head of gold. And I won't go into much detail. Man, I was talking to Professor Mike. We can spend months going through this stuff going through the book of Daniel to give it justice. So we're, we're going to approach this with broad strokes, as you will. But here's the kingdom of Babylon, and Daniel says, this is you, the head is you, this great nation. And we remember Babylon is that great nation. Do you remember what's one of the seven wonders of the world? The gardens of Babylon, the center of of mankind was this Babylon. In fact, we talked about this Nimrod, in fact, established Babylon as he built the the city of Babylon. We remember the Tower of Babel and he built Nineveh, the capital of Assyrian Empire, which became the capital of Babylon. So you have this idea of the spirit of Babylon using that title Babylon. So this first nation is the first real empire that rises up. In the spirit of Babylon, and we remember what we talked about, the spirit of Babylon is the spirit against God. It is the spirit against God in the world, and it is a spirit still alive today. That's why this head of gold is given such honor, because it is the epitome of the spirit of Babylon. In fact, it has its name, and we know that a Babylon will rise in the end with the term Babylon being used for that nation to rise in the end. So here's the head of gold, Babylon. But Daniel continues. Verse 30, 39, Daniel two thirty-nine. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. This is the chest of arms and silver inferior to the gold. We see in Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 5. Behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between his teeth, and it was told to rise and devour much flesh. So here's the second kingdom that rises. The chest and arms of silver, and there's a division between chest and arms. This is the nation of the Medes and Persians, the Persian Empire, and they were divided between the Medes and the Persians. This is the great nation that we see, and we see soon conquer Babylon. Take Babylon down and rise up in its place with its own power. And with this nation we have a fierce bear that devours, and in fact we we know of the King Xerxes who sent his million, maybe, troops into Greece to conquer the little tribes. Remember the Sparta and the three hundred? This is that nation, this nation of Persia that devours and and yes, it may be inferior to the glory of 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 Babylon, but it rises in strength like Babylon and, and even greater strength as it comes before them. And we see the fall of Babylon happened about five hundred and thirty-nine BC to this Medo Persian Empire, and so this nation, this Persian Empire, who began to conquer other nations like Babylon had done, ri- will rise up after Babylon. The next image we have then is the middle, the thighs of bronze. Daniel chapter two, thirty-nine. We continue: another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. What's interesting between the kingdom of gold and silver is is they are two precious metals similar to each other. But now we move into a kingdom of bronze, a kingdom of of warfare, a kingdom of of not necessarily a precious metal, but a, a stronger metal which shall rule over all the earth. This is the kingdom of Greece. Alexander the Great. We actually even see a prophecy of Alexander the Great in Daniel 7. Daniel 7, 6, after this I looked and behold another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back and the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. Now this is the kingdom of Greece to come after the kingdom of Persia around uh, 356 BC if if I understand the timeline there. And this nation will rule over all the earth. We today in America know of alexander the great don't we the man who conquered the whole known world with his with his new strategy of warfare so this next lesser glory uh, nation but with greater strength of bronze will rule the whole earth and I see in that image there that he has given four heads to this beast, which we know Alexander the Great had four generals. At the age of 30, he died, and his nation was divided between the four generals. We see the four wings connect to those four generals going to the four, the four corners of the known empire. And so here is Alexander the Great, and here is the nation of Greece. And, man, the, the influence Greece still has on us today is great. But the influence Greece still has on us today comes because of the next nation. Now we're getting to good stuff. So you following me here? This this prophecy that's laying out as God is showing Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and, and all of us who read today, the coming empires that will rise in the next hundreds and hundreds of years. These nations will rise and fall, rise and fall, but all with the same spirit of Babylon. And here comes the next image. The legs of iron. Daniel chapter 2, verse 40. And then there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks, in pieces, breaks into pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these around it, all of these that lay before it. We see in Daniel 7 the same, the same kingdom. After this, I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, Daniel 7, 7. Behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. And it had great iron teeth and it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And it was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Here we have the Roman Empire. We move from Babylon to Persia to Greece and then to Rome. We know Greece was divided between the four generals that from a small city state within, those gen- within, that, within the tribes of Greece rose up Romulus and Rome. The city-state then conquered the known Greek world and pushed its own boundaries farther than any nation had gone before, moving up into the United Kingdom that we call today, moving into Africa, moving even into Asia, Euro-Asia. This is the nation of Rome, the Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom. Strong as iron, destroying anything in its wake. This is the Nation of nations, the the strong weapon of iron that stands against God. And this is the nation that I think is most influenced today. We named our planets in the sky after their gods. Our language, Latin, comes from their, or our language comes from their language, Latin. Our understanding of, of the world comes from Rome. You ever heard the term, all roads lead to Rome? Rome is the center of this idea of the spirit of Babylon. Here comes the nation of Rome. And in fact, this was the nation that our Savior, our Messiah entered into. It was Rome that was in charge of the people of Israel. Rome was the, the, the conqueror and the, the suppressor of Israel at the time that the Messiah would come. So there's something important about Rome, isn't there? It's powerful. It says it is different than all the ones that come before it. And not only is it just this legs of iron, but it's divided to not just being legs of iron. Daniel continues. There's something different about this Rome. Here we have the feet of iron. Daniel Uh, Chapter two, verse forty one continues. And as you saw from the legs, you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. Here we have here, I think it's also important to point out that we have two legs of iron, which kind of shows the divided kingdom of Rome, the Eastern and the Western kingdom. But then we move into something different. Here we move into this this feet of iron, and not just iron, it's mixed with clay. Here we move into what I call The revived Roman kingdom. This is the revived Roman Empire. So that kingdom of Rome will continue as, yes, it shatters and it breaks, but it is revived. We see in the feet. So as the the kingdom of Rome rose, it was destroyed, as we remember, and as was prophesied. Rome breaks apart. And what came of from Rome? What do we have today from Rome? Nations, countries, Germany, France, United States. If you want to go, if you want to keep drawing some lines there, I don't know if we can do that. But you have Rome that conquered the world. And then as it fell, all these, these mixture of states, these mixture of leaders, these mixture of people remain in its wake. And in that Rome that continues today, this, this spirit of Rome continues today. Until a time when the revived Roman Empire will rise and you get the feet and the ten toes, which those ten toes become important because we look at the ten horns of the beast in Daniel 7. Let's go to Daniel 7, verse 7. This beast was different from all the beasts that were before it because it had ten horns. I considered the horns and behold, there came up from them another horn, a little horn before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So if you can imagine this beast, it was a beast with ten horns. And what rose up from one of those horns is a little horn with a mouth speaking blasphemy, speaking great things, eyes like a man. Which it seems plucked up the lat three of the horns before it. These horns are a symbol of kings or kingdoms, and what rises up from them, or they're symbols of kings, and what rises up from them is this little horn. The Bible calls it. This is a reference to the Antichrist. This beast that is to rise, and Dan, the one we see from Daniel chapter two, that comes out of the feet of clay. If we see the, if you understand the feet with its toes. Uh, Daniel specifically lists the toes here. There are ten toes. That connects to the ten horns of this beast in Daniel 7. And from those horns will arise a little horn. And as we get into details in next week, man, this is what we're dealing with, is this rise of this Antichrist, the rise of the last times of man, the 70 weeks and the 70th week of man, the tribulation. But this Antichrist rises. So right now we are in the time of Rome, if you follow with me. The Roman Empire rose, was divided, broke, and now we are in that time of Rome. That time of, the time of the Gentiles is still continuing, and it's a shattered Rome. But one day, a revived Rome, a revived Babylon, if you will, will rise up. And on its head, there will be ten kings, so to speak, of this whatever, whatever rises in the end. We don't exactly know what it's going to look like. But one king will rise to the top of this Babylon. the Antichrist will rise to the top, and he will be the, the leader of the nation against Babylon, this revived Rome. You follow with me there? Some good stuff, some interesting stuff, so much more stuff to go into detail. But I believe Daniel's pretty clear as he, as he references this stuff, and next week we'll see he asks a specific question. I was intrigued. By that last beast, and I was intrigued by that little horn. So I asked the angel Gabriel to tell me about this little horn, and the angel does and tells him of the Antichrist. So that's for next week. So stay on your seats. But so here we have this nation of Rome that rises at the last nation of Rome, and it, it yes, the Roman Empire died, but we are still in the remnants of the Roman Empire, the remnants of the spirit of Babylon continuing today. During the church age, and in the end, as the time of the Gentiles comes to an end, a time of rebellion of the spirit of Babylon against God, you have the Antichrist. Just wanted to clarify, make sure we were all clear on that. Because now we get to the good part. Here we have the nations of man building up. Man thinks he has these nations, and one after another, one be conquering more than the other. One thinking they all they are God come. They are the kingdom of God rising up. And here in Daniel's vision comes the most important part. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, he interprets this stone, the stone that's cut from nothing, a divine stone that rises up, is cut from nothing and strikes the feet, those those ten toes, the, the the revived Roman Empire, it strikes that revived nation and shatters the whole statue, the whole image of man. This is the kingdom of the Messiah that is coming. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44, and in the, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. It shall stand forever, just as you saw that stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to this king what shall be after this. This dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. That stone is coming, and it will crush the image of man. The stone of God will come to crush the image of man, the kingdom of man, that stone is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming, and it is certain we see in, in fact in daniel's own vision, Daniel seven here's a picture of what's was what to take place. Daniel seven verse nine as he continues in his vision and understanding his vision of of the beasts, says, as I looked. Thrones were then placed after that little horn rose up and I looked and thrones were placed and the ancient of days, the uh, term for God, the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, his head. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. God has come. And I looked because of the sound of the great words that that horn was speaking. As I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, the, the Babylon was done away with and given over to be burned by fire. And as for the rest of the beast, the rest of mankind, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Speaking of the millennium. I saw in the night visions, verse 13, and behold, the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, and all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall never pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. Amen? Here's the picture of what's to come as that this is Daniel's vision of the same stone that came to destroy the kingdom of the Antichrist and crushed the, all the kingdoms of man. This is the picture of God as God opens the gates of heaven, stands and sets court, opens the books, and the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, stands before him and comes to earth. This is the picture of the Lord Jesus returning to the earth at the end of the tribulation. To defeat the Antichrist and the governments of man. To set all things right. To establish himself a millennial kingdom. A kingdom here on earth. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of Israel here on earth. Finally fulfilled a kingdom that will destroy Satan once and for all at the end of the millennium. At the end of a time of that kingdom here on earth. And it will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. This is the kingdom that is coming. Revelation 19, here's our picture of Jesus coming to us. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is the king with his crown. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure were following him on their white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, which is to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the the winepresses with the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is Jesus coming back. He is waiting for that day as whatever you believe, that tribulation will happen. At the end of it, the Christ, our Lord, will return. And He will return with fury as He puts everything in its place, as He delivers this world to the Father and sets up His kingdom. That is that stone that crushes the image of man. Isn't that beautiful? This is the kingdom that is coming. It's the kingdom that we even see in the New Testament. Prophesied about by John. The kingdom is coming. God reveals the kingdom of man that will rise and fall. He reveals the kingdoms of man to Nebuchadnezzar and to Daniel. That these kingdoms will rise and they will fall. And he reveals to Daniel that the kingdom of his messiah is coming and it will shatter them all and he declares that this kingdom will fill the earth as that stone became a great mountain will fill the earth and stand forever it is this kingdom that god has promised we will enjoy for all eternity daniel 7:27 continues and the kingdom That kingdom that was declared. And the kingdom and the dominion, the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. We belong to that kingdom. If you belong to the Lord, you belong to that kingdom. That's coming. You're the people of that kingdom. Sharing in, in the inheritance with Israel in that kingdom. Colossians one thirteen and fourteen says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We have been brought out of darkness and brought into the kingdom in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. By the blood of Christ on the cross, we have been brought into that kingdom. See, Daniel was looking forward at this Messiah, this king to come. And we look back at saying he came and he died for us. He paid the price. He spilled his blood so we could be saved. And we look forward just as Daniel did at that time when that king will come for us. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, one of my favorite verses, says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is the purpose of us as God's people. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are the people of God. He called you out of the darkness into his kingdom of marvelous light. We have been given this prophecy in Daniel for our comfort and faith. The unfolding of time was revealed to us thousands of years ago at the time of Daniel. The truth that all the machinations of man, all the, the schemes of man will one day be crushed by the kingdom of Jesus. That gives us hope that all this thing that man is doing right now, all the wars, all the, all the, all the this evil perversion of man will be destroyed and crushed by the kingdom of Jesus one day. That gives us hope. The human kingdoms of man are evil. This world is filled with pain and greed, perversion and hate. We see it all around us. We need the kingdom of God to set it right, don't we? We need the kingdom of God to set it right. And God will. Jesus will. This is a promise. Jesus is coming. That kingdom is coming to crush the kingdoms of man and set up a kingdom for eternity. A kingdom that... By his grace, he says, come into this kingdom. You can belong in this kingdom. That rock of living water will soon crush the image of man. The cornerstone of the temple of God will destroy the kingdoms of Babylon. The holy mountain of Zion will take home here across the whole earth. And that is good news for us who believe, isn't it? That is good news for us. That's why we call it the gospel, the good news. For we are a people of that kingdom because we have believed in the name of the king of that kingdom. And we have been called children of the God of that kingdom. And we will stand in that kingdom, worshiping our king forever, standing in his presence forever, being filled with joy forever, being in and amass in his love forever with no tears with no pain no suffering we will be standing with our king forever because we are the people of that kingdom revelation declares that in uh i saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away the sea was no more i, I saw behold the new city the jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and he they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There shall be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the former things have passed away. And God declares, behold, I am making all things new. He said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers, he will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. You will be the children of God. So believe in this king who saves. If you haven't become a child of this God, I know most of us here are. Call on the name of that God, that King who saves. Become a member of that kingdom so you can have this hope, and this is a hope we all have today that one day the Lord Jesus' kingdom is coming. After he conquers the kingdoms of this world and sets everything right, on that final day, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more. Mourning will be no more. Crying will be no more. Pain will be no more. Sickness will be no more. Struggle will be no more. The former things will be passed away. The new will come, and we will declare, Behold, the new has come. And that's our hope. That's why we take comfort today. You see, we have these visions because right now we are in our Babylon. We are in Rome. We understand that so much more after seeing that vision. We are in Rome, the spirit of Babylon. And we need this comfort to know that as we walk through this life as exiles, just as Daniel did, we have this hope. Because we know our king will return on that day, won't he? Our king will return on that day and he will put an end to all of this, all this evil, all this pain. He will put an end to all of it and he will establish the kingdom of Yahweh forever. And we have this hope. Because God has already planned the future of man, hasn't he? Everything man does is not a surprise to God. He has already planned the future of man and he has purposed. That he will reign victoriously on that day in his kingdom for eternity. Praise God that he has invited us to be his children of that kingdom. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for this, this prophecy given to us. That was was vision given to a a pagan man to humble mankind, to show mankind that you may think you are great, but God's plan is what will stand. We have this vision for us today, Lord, to give us strength. I pray for this church. I pray that we have strength, that we are resting in the hope, in the the assured confidence that you are coming back And that is our hope, that your kingdom will come and it will set right everything. It will put it all right as you reign for eternity. Lord God, I pray for our friends and family, for maybe some here today who do not belong to this kingdom, who have not called on your name, Jesus, to be saved, who have not called on your name to forgive them who have not called on your name to be welcomed into your home. I pray for our friends, our family, and anyone else hearing this. That you would, you would put that conviction on their heart, that they would know that your kingdom is coming. And they can either belong to it or stand in the wake of it. And that's not where we want to be. The kingdoms rise and fall, but only one kingdom will stand forever, and that's your kingdom. And we want to belong to that kingdom, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for forgiving me, for, for loving us enough to call us into that kingdom. We don't understand all these things, but you have grace with us. And you say, just trust me. I have it figured out. Trust me and you'll be with me forever. So God, I pray that we would hold tight to you, that we will trust you every day and hold tight to you as we stand here as people of your kingdom. Thank you for that encouragement, that strength that allows us to do the work of your kingdom every day as people of your kingdom. To bring that good news of that kingdom, the good news of your your hope, your salvation to all those who are lost in the darkness. That they may be brought from the darkness by your hand into the kingdom of your marvelous light. Help us in that effort. Help us to do your work in the kingdom, Lord God. Help this church to be a light shining in the darkness for you. Lord Jesus, I pray you would receive all glory and honor today that you would speak through this vessel. I may not say everything right, but Lord God, it's all there for us in the word if we would just read it and study it and know it. God, I pray you would receive all glory today. In your name, Jesus, because of your love, we pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing one last song. Our living.